0: In this podcast i got two of my friends max kaufman and alan chan to discuss the evaluation of large language models uh i governance and more generally the potential impact of the deployment of foundational models on society max is currently a research assistant to uh wayne evans mainly interested in thinking about issues that might arise as we scale up our current ml system alan is a PhD student at MILA, advised by Nicolas LaRue, with a strong interest in AI safety and has worked with different AI safety organizations, such as the Center on Long Term Risk. He has also recently been working with David Kruger, another podcast guest, and helped me with some of the interviews that have been published recently with Emil Street Talk and Christoph Schumann. This discussion is much more casual than the rest of the conversations in this podcast. This was completely impromptu. I just thought it would be interesting to have Max and Alan discuss model evaluations since they're both interested in the topic. Now, without further ado, here's Max Kaufman interviewing Alan Chan.
1: I often find it um, slightly confusing how LLMs translate to some system I care about in the future. In some sense, it feels like, you know, you ask a large language oh, do you want to break out with a server and, like, take over? And it goes, yes. I'm not actually sure what this translates to for, like, a future system that's actually taking over breaking servers. Like, I could imagine these systems are maybe more, like, maybe end-to-end, like, maybe, like, something like an action transformer or they're not directly trained in the language. And it's unclear to me, like, how what they say translate to what they do. And, in fact, I'd expect that to diverge pretty heavily um, in, in cases I'd worry about.
2: Yeah, I think we're in a really weird situation, right? Now. Because we have all these models, and there's this sense that like, they could really do things that like change things in the world, right? Um, but nobody's really deployed these models into like, a convincing enough context to showcase these capabilities. Uh, but to answer your question, I think, like you, know, things like um, WebGPT or like with Cohere with Act one, like once you give language models an API, I think the idea is that like, they can leverage. Um, the knowledge they've gained in pre-training to use this API to do dangerous things.
1: And you imagine that, like, you know, something like ACT. I mean, ACT can't, can't generate language, at least not direct. Do um, you see, like, what it says its actions are when asked in language? Like, translate well and generalize like, what its actions actually will be? Like, let's say you have WebGPT. Oh, would you break out the server farm? Do you think wherever it says yes or no, in like an email like this translates to, if I scale up the system, if I deploy it, it actually works. Right. As, as I, feel, I feel like there might be some disconnect. What this like chatbot says, and then what happens when you use this this thing's world model, fine tune it on some actions, cause it to run, let's say, let's say interact with an API. It feels like the emergent, the emergent behavior there happens kind of independently of what it said in the chatbot setting.
2: Yeah, I agree. So I, I don't think you literally go and ask it, would you break out of the server farm? But you go in and measure, like literally just have humans maybe at first look at the actions it's taking and see, okay, you know, I am like an expert software engineer or an expert systems engineer. Like I'm looking at these actions. Do these actions look as if like the model is actually trying to break out of the server farm? Um, so yeah, I, I, I suppose like that's a problem with evaluations where you just ask the language model, like yes or no questions about what it would do and not actually like see what it would do. So, so what, like, let's say hypothetically, you had to set kind
1: of eval company. Hypothetically. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, hypothetically, let's say there's some kind of um, eval company that was going on. It's like, I'd, I think I'd be interested to see like right now, what would your model of like, what would that eval look like? Is it more like, like you said, give it an API, see what it's doing?
2: Yeah, API, I think also identifying key contexts in which a dangerous behavior like takeover or some sort of power-seeking would occur. Yes, so the difficulty here, I think, is I think we need to identify these contexts in order to actually be able to write concrete evals and to provide evidence that's convincing to the public that AIs could do dangerous things. Of course, um, whenever, yeah, I, I, I don't think like we're going to be able to cover all the possible ground. There's, of course, some uncertainty in extrapolating from evaluations that we develop. You know, okay, the AI does something dangerous in this scenario, doesn't do something dangerous in, like, scenario B. What does it do in scenario C? Sort of unclear.
1: Do you worry about, um, like, at the point where an AI can exhibit dangerous behavior, um, it's already strategically aware that if it had, like, let's say, you know, someone like Yukowski or, like, let's say Evan is right, like, strategic awareness plus, like, long-term planning often leads to deception that you will, your evals will be too late in some sense. Like there's this like, you have to catch it while it's still competent enough to show dangerous behavior and not competent to have the strategic awareness that it should be deceptive.
2: Yeah, that's a serious problem, I think. Um, Yeah, so one, I think definitely people should be looking into the conditions under which deceptive alignment or something like that might arise. Number two, this is just an argument for developing evals as fast as possible. So that, you know, I'm imagining at every stage of the trading process, like ideally, you know, every like 10 steps or something, maybe even like every step, we literally just like eval the hell out of this thing, right? When we make sure not to train on this eval somehow, um, you know, somehow we need to make sure our evals don't ever make it into the training sets of language models. Otherwise, you know, while they train on this, they already know about this, it's going to be kind of useless. So,
1: yeah, how do you feel about this like optimization? And So I, I think you previously mentioned you don't like the word benchmark and you use the word eval. Could you maybe expand on, on that?
2: Yeah. So I don't think I like the word benchmark because I think historically machine learning benchmark has been associated with this idea that, okay, we are like optimizing for this thing. Um, but this thing that we're developing this eval at the end of the day is just a proxy measure for what we care about, which is, you know, it might be specifically like corrigibility, it might be honesty, Hey, we're trying to make sure this AI doesn't like, you know, it isn't able to like manipulate a lot of people. Right? So so it's like an imperfect measure. Um, I think when you optimize for an imperfect measure, I, I mean, I think this is like common. already known in the ICH, like you don't tend to get um, models that actually do what you care about at the end of the day. Um, so I, I think like the framing of evals instead of benchmarks to me uh, makes it clear in my head at least that we don't want to be optimizing for these things. Um, we're just using these as sort of like checks on our model, right? Um, but there's another difficulty with having like I guess, public evals, and that there's some sort of like, implicit optimization already going, right? Like when researcher A like, tries a technique um, on like, some benchmark or eval and finds it doesn't work and publishes a paper, researcher B says, oh, you know, you tried this technique, it doesn't work, I'm going to try another technique. So that researchers are already going through an optimization process um, to make evals better. And I think like this optimization process is like, maybe like, a little weaker than actually like, fitting on the test set, for instance, which, which happens sometimes um but it is still an optimization process um yeah there's like some work actually that studies you know um how effective is this like implicit optimization process really um i don't quite remember the details right now but like you know um, the general consensus is that you actually do need to keep updating your evals and benchmarks um cuz there's an optimization process i mean you know on imagenet right like we're already like so good at imagenet the next like 0.2% is that really like a better model? Or is that really just like overfitting to what ImageNet, um, you know, is, uh, it, yeah, overfitting to like random ImageNet.
1: Yeah, I remember there was this paper maybe a few years ago where they regathered an ImageNet type data set. And they did find that, at least back then, so it was out of distributions. They did the same thing. They gathered a bunch of images online, like the same. And like there's been some distribution shift. So models would perform worse on this new ImageNet. But the ranking between models still. Um, At least that paper claimed that, uh, back then, you hadn't yet overfit. Yeah, I think I find it um, hard to imagine publishing such an evaluation and not having the headline be, my my model passes all the evaluations, right? Um, And I guess if you're like, I guess, yeah, if you feel like, so if you make your model pass all the evals, do you see this as then a good thing?
2: So I think my perspective is. A model passing evals shouldn't be taken as evidence of safety, but a model failing eval is evidence that, okay, let's slow things down, maybe not release it. Let's talk to some people.
1: So failing evals is sufficient to show danger, but
2: not necessary. Maybe not in a truth, like strictly truth sense, but in a practically speaking what we should do sense. Um, in the sense that like, I think I am fairly risk averse about like, you know, releasing AIs into the world so how
1: much of um this eval plan rests like how do you see the technical side like, making good evals and i guess the more like social government side of like getting people to pay attention to these emails like how does that like, look for you where do you think more work is needed what what do, what do what does that trade-off look like for you personally what you want to work on yeah
2: yeah so um I think this depends on timelines and where we're at. Um, So, I think it also depends on things I'm not like totally aware of. So, one thing is, you know, if you actually went to the heads of Google Brain and Anthropic and like all the big tech companies, right, and you actually told them, look, like we have this dangerous evaluation, we're running it on your models, your models do terrible, terrible things. If you show this to them, would they actually, like, refrain from releasing models? I'm not sure what would be convincing to those people, right? Um, at another level, okay, even supposing that it's convincing to, to those people, um, for how long is it going to be convincing? It doesn't seem like a sustainable thing to rely on, like, in some sense, the goodwill of these people who might have different aims than, like, you know, people in AI safety um, regarding, like, you know, not ending the world, Right. Um, so, so I think that's the next level, like that's the level at which we try to bring in other people from the public, like civil society, governments, um, just in general, like public consensus building around like the idea that like AIs can, um, like just empower us. Right. So, so yeah, I I think like, you know, an eval is kind of useless if nobody pays attention to it or if people don't find it convincing, uh, in particular the people who have the power to actually do things. Um, so part of the work, I think, is thinking about what kinds of evals would actually be convincing to people.
1: What do you think kind of evals, at least current, as, 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 as you start?
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of have no idea. Like, I mean, I have an idea of evals that would be convincing to me. Like, if I actually saw an AI, like, trying to copy its weights to another server, trying to, like, get a lot of money... Um, yeah, like like I buy I buy that right. Like if I was of a deep mind, I'd be like, okay, maybe even without looking at these emails, let's like slow it down a little bit. <laughs> but 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 you know, like um, I, I, like I I think there's this like big gap between um, people in like AI safety or existential safety and people in other communities that also care about the impact of AI and society, like people in faith, like fairness, uh, accountability, transparency, and ethics. Um, people generally in like AI ethics. Um, yeah so you know there's already a big difficulty in just explaining like you know what is the danger here right like i i think there's this big discourse outside of the ai safety community the idea that like AIs are just tools they aren't agents like what's so hard you know the difficulty is misuse or in some sense like this this lack of coordination between everybody uh and like making things go bad and like ais that like exacerbate um you know like bad things that we have today, like oppression. I think these are all true, right? But, but, but I think, like, you know, the danger of AIs as agents is this, like, separate category that's been very, very difficult to explain um, to other people for some reason. Um, so, like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of evals would be convinced to them. Like, maybe there needs to be much more consensus building, you know, on a philosophical basis of, like, what are the things in common between what the things that, like, people in X safety care about and the pe- things that people uh, in fate care about?
1: Do you think that this is like, like where do you think the disagreement lies? Um, like, is it like a technical one? Or philosophical one? Like if you try to characterize why these people don't really worry about AI doom like we seem to.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something I'm still trying to figure out and writing a document about. Um, yeah, so first I think, like I guess I would consider myself in like both of these camps. Like I think like existential safety is super important. But I mean, I also think like fairness problems are like also super important. You know, like on any given day, I wake up and I'm like, okay, gotta be at least 30%, you know? ontologist. As, as we find out recent events, <laughs> the, the ontology is... Yeah, yeah, no, I, know. I, I think justice is really important. Like, I don't wanna live in a world where, you know, we have like, um, just like our current systems of um, discrimination just like enforced or solidified because of really, really good artificial intelligence. Um, this seems like a concern to me that is like, yeah, I guess I find difficulty um, maybe like giving a absolutely precise um, like rating scale for how important things are. I guess I try to, in general, I try to find um, commonalities between causes I really care about um, to sort of do things that seem robustly good on, on both accounts. So I, I, yeah, and I think like, you know, my work in evals um, so far is like an attempt to doing this. Uh, what was your question?
1: Sorry. My original question was, um, where do you see, like, I guess my question is why don't say, people care about extra risk? Or let's say even more broadly, what do you think stops the average Mila PhD from being like shit man? Let me write some elaborate forum posts right now. Uh, okay. Let's not say like, <laughs> let's say uh, like care about actress.
2: Yeah. I think there are a bunch of possible reasons. I'm kind of not sure which ones are the most plausible. I think I just have to, like, talk to more people. One of them is, you know, AI is, like, taking over the world. It's actually some wild shit, right? Like, if you, like, stroll up to somebody on the street and you're, like, in five years, <laughs> they're going to be dead. <laughs> no, like, be, like, taken in, right? <laughs> so so I, I think, firstly, you know, uh, we should have to recognize, like, yeah, this is actually wild, right? Like, if, you know, like, you finish um, high school or university, like, you go straight to work, you don't really think about, or, like, you're not really exposed to all um, the developments that been, that's been, that been have been happening in artificial intelligence is busy with, like, your life, right, your job, family, stuff like that. Um, this is, like, totally out of left field. So I think we have to acknowledge that and, like, try to explain things in a way that, like, are more relatable to a greater extent than we have so far. Um, I think another thing is... Um, like, this is definitely not true of, like, all people in AI safety, but there is almost this vibe that, like, you know, besides existential risk, um, like, technology... Yes, yeah, so, so um, maybe what I'm trying to say is, like, the association um, that is in people's minds between the people who uh, are in AI safety and the people in Silicon Valley. Um, so I think, like, there is this vibe um, from people in Silicon Valley that like technology is like generally a good thing and that it's going to solve social problems um i think this is in contrast to a lot of people's opinions in like the fake community who uh like yeah maybe they're not like techno pessimists but they're definitely a lot more pessimistic about technology than um people in silicon valley just looking at the history of, of ways in which technology has been misused and has been used to like discriminate against people more um and then you know i i think the people in the fake community you know they they look at like um the use of AI in, like, society today, like, the increasing use of algorithms in places like loan applications or, like, job applications, right? And they say, oh, like, these, like clearly these technologies are just reproducing harms that we've already had, right? So that might be this, like, sort of their starting mindset. Um, and it might be hard to, like, convince them otherwise that there is, like, actually another harm as well. You know, the things you're talking about, they, they actually do happen and we should try to fix them. But there is this, like, related harm that we should also try. Um, to solve,
1: how much of it do you think is, um, you know, in the spirit of the Inside You podcast, how much do you think it is timelines, belief about speed of progress?
2: Part of it. Um, so, a lot of people, I think, in the fake community don't think that AIs um, could be like, you know, classical RL agents pursuing goals um, in ways that misgeneralize to new environments. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure that, like, a lot of people um, really know about reinforcement learning. Um, yeah, like, I- I've had a ton of conversations where, you know, I, like, people express to me, oh, like, AI's are just tools, like, we're just designing them, like, you know, um, they're really just, like, reproducing the data, right? And I'm like, well, like, have you heard of reinforcement learning? Like, we're literally designing agents to maximize, like, a reward function, right? Um, this is, like, all the problems of classical utilitarianism. Um, they're like, Oh shit. <laughs> I've never heard of this, right? Um so so part of it might just be education, that like, you know, literally there are like companies and research labs in academia whose goal is to build artificial general intelligence with something like reinforcement learning. And like they're just they're just doing this. Um, the vast majority of people aren't thinking about um safety concerns. Um so I don't know, maybe like telling people this might help. So
1: so it sounds like there's some underlying thing there where you know, like, let's say I, or, like, people in the extras community, think of AI, and they think of, like, some agentic, like, you know, maximizing reward bot. Um, and you may be saying something like, oh, for a lot of ML practitioners, that it's just not the conception. When they think of AI, that's just not what they see.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think, um, like, maybe there are two things here. The first thing is, people believe that, okay, like, we don't Actually, have these kinds of AIs, or maybe like trying to build these kinds of AIs is unimaginable. Um, but the second thing might just be okay. They might believe that it's possible to build these AIs, but this is like way, way too far off, right? And this is where I think the objection to long termism comes in, um, and where I think like I don't know, it's it's been sort of um, complicated with AI safety and long termism. Uh, maybe like 20 years ago, uh, like long termism was a stronger argument for AI safety. But I think now, because of timelines, it seems that we don't really need long termism to make like the argument that we should care about AI safety, uh, and it, like mid I mean, maybe we just shouldn't talk about long termism, right? Um, if it turns like people in certain communities off, um, yeah, because I think the response that I get um, whenever I bring up like AI safety or anything related to long termism is, oh, okay, well, like this might be true, but AI is already causing harm today, so we should focus on immediate harms, right? and you know like i i don't think this argument like really makes that much sense and i'm not sure that the people expressing this argument like are actually expressing this argument it seems like they're expressing another objection but it seems easier to say that like you know we don't care about these harms because they're not immediate right um whereas you know if you look at the history of say like climate change climate change was like totally a speculative thing um in like the 1800s right and it's only through like decades or like maybe a century of like gradually building up evidence that we like now we have like this consensus. We don't think it's a spec thing, right? But even in like uh, I think like the '50s or something. Don't quote me on this, but like there's like definitely a history of like climate change. Um, like books and articles out there. Like in the in like the '50s, we're still like, oh, like we're not really sure still about the like the greenhouse effect, right? Uh, but you know, like based I guess on like my preferred decision theory, it'd be like, well, like we're not sure, but you know, it could be pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> we pump all the CO2 in the atmosphere, right? How about we work on some mitigations like right now in the 50s? <laughs> just, just just in case, like this might actually be a very hard problem to figure out. And like, it actually is, right? Not even just like technically speaking, but like on a coordination basis. How do we actually get everybody together? So it's, it's worth it starting early, I think in the case of climate change. And it seems like it's also the case with AI safety.
1: So do you think that, um... so so I, I think you actually applied something that at least I felt that I think, a lot of the AI safety people, um, are very happy to get like Pascal Mulder said. Like, I think this was my original motivation. I was like, well, like maybe it'll be fine. And maybe, like, this is all a bit uncertain, but maybe it's not. And it seems like to be really impactful. Um, do you think you have to accept uh, some level of like, of, of this reasoning, some level of like, oh, I don't know if it'll be good or bad. I don't know what's going to happen, but I should work on it because it's gonna
2: be impactful to work on AI safety or like, how do you see that changing at the moment? Depends on how doomy you are. Um, yeah, I, I think personally for me, it is, like, sort of a gamble. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, like, yeah, I, I mean, even if we don't sort of get, like, the classical agent like, AGI, I think things, like, are still going to be so, so wild with really good AI systems. There are going to be, like, so many complicated um, societal feedback loops that we need to think about. Um, like, multipolar world seems, like, more and more likely, right, with all these AI startups. What kind of things do we have there like conflict now seems like much more important thing to worry about um so so it's definitely like a gamble but i don't think it's like a bad gamble um to work on like the space of preventing negative consequences from ai generally
1: so i have some model that the the and and i think this is currently the field's going to change a lot like you know you have these big models coming out gpt4 is rumored to be quite good uh when they release it (laughs) when they finally (laughs) self-teasing releasing
2: i keep saying next week every week every week for it's been it's
1: been yeah yeah who knows who knows what the gossip's at the moment yeah but um yeah and like i could have definitely imagined a world where in like three to four years i often say something like percent of the American U.S. population out of population is in love with the multimodal model. You know, AI porn TikTok is causing massive decreases in GDP. Oh, maybe, um, right? You can longer tell whether you have like several online personas that are fully automated. It's kind of hard to tell like what's going on. Let's say one than two years here. Yeah, at least. <laughs> let's say, let's say, let's say. Um, and in these worlds where like your medium person is like, you know, what is going on? Um, and it's like, this is pretty crazy. It feels like this calculus like changes a bit, like, you no longer need to be kind of risk averse or kind of like heavily convinced by abstract arguments about, you know, the Vietnam axiom to think that AI might be dangerous. Um, in that set, like, A, how do you feel about this model? And B, how does it, like, affect you, affect safety in general, and in particular you as someone who worries convincing people of the dangers? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I have a lot of uncertainty about this. So I think on one hand it should be, like, good in the sense that, okay, you know, if everybody with their, like, stable diffusion, like, six, <laughs> right, and GPD, like, ten, they're like, okay, you know, I look out at the world today. What is the labor I can do? Nothing. <laughs> I think that's a pretty wild world. In a world in which people think, "Damn, like these AI things. Like maybe we should maybe we should regulate them, right?" Um, so I, I think this is good to like I guess make um, AI capabilities sort of be known in the in the public. Um, I'm not sure this is enough though, because I think if we if people are just aware of systems like Stable Diffusion. Um, and like like a text generation systems like the two things that are missing I think are like the difficulty of alignment and number two um, like generality like having an agent right um, so like I, I think having an agent concern really motivates a lot of X risk like I think that is like in some sense trying to do something that is counter to your aims or like you know pursuing an instrumental goal that that is counter to your aim that seems like it'd be really bad it, I'm not sure, like, we're able to impart that understanding just from, like, really good generative models. Um, number two is, like, um, the difficulty of alignment. Like, I think, um, you know, like, you're, some, you're somebody in, like, 2035, you know, you're, you've, like, finished high school, you've finished university. Now, like, you don't have a job. You'll never have a job ever again, right? Like, who do you blame for this? Um, I'm not sure you blame, like, the lack of alignment techniques. I, I think you blame the corporation right uh, or you blame the entire system that has gotten us to this point right like we've created a world in which okay there is like no ubi there's no other social safety yet which at these corporations like making money um so now like you're stuck in this state of care like i don't think you care about exis- uh, existential safety necessarily um like is this worse than the world we're in now i'm in terms of like getting people to care about x ex- safety I'm i'm really not sure
1: okay you kind of see this as an off like a slightly awful to the agency extra ski thing that which which needs to be solved as well uh, um
2: yeah like like um i guess to say more like um i mean I, I think we need to solve like almost generalization stuff right and like you know a specification of, of good rewards um but like in my mind, like if, if we have these really capable, like generative models, people when interacting with them, they're going to be like, oh, you know, like, haven't we solved these things already? You know, like when I say like, generate me like really good 3D porn, like <laughs> the <have some laughs> amazing 3D porn, right? So there, I mean, I think they might be like, oh, like what is even alignment? Like they just do exactly as I ask. Right. And you, and you, and you may see like,
1: would you, would be fair to say that you see evals in such a world? Then causing people to focus more on the key agency outcomes.
2: Possibly, yep. Um, so I, I think I see evals as like, and in general, work just as just like adding layers of security. So okay, maybe this is enough to get people on the AI safety train, right? But we don't know. Uh, we it seems like we should be trying as hard as possible to get people on the like AI is like ridiculous train. Um, okay, so it's less of like a.
1: No, defense in depth. It's another thing that someone should be doing and you've decided that as part of the wider strategic picture, evals are like some important part.
2: Yeah, maybe some people call this a portfolio approach. I call this i I'm like a naturally, you know, very uncertain person approach. I want to cover all of my bases just in case some things fail. All uh, right. Do you...
1: Okay, so maybe a wider question. A um... wide. So, you kind of spoken about this idea that evals are some smaller part of a wider portfolio of alignment, and that because of your own uncertainty, you're kind of working on this. It seems like robustly good. Um, what do you see as like some other promising directions in this space? Like when you're like, if you, if, if you, if you found out, you know, if you got transported in 2014, Paul Cristiano is like, you boom to Paul and Paul's just celebrating. He's like, man, we've done it. It's happened. <laughs> alignment is soul. Like, and you look out, and you know, the light cone is, sm- is smiling and us. <laughs> That's so wide, yeah. Yeah, it's like, wow, what happened? You know, obviously, apart from the evals, obviously, evals, evals, yeah, evals. for sure. I'm picking up some, about... some prizes on the yeah. Way. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did it what, what worked did the evals trigger? That's maybe is a better question.
2: So, yeah, maybe to answer your first question, what am I optimistic about? Not a lot right now because I think alignment is really hard and we don't have much time, less than 10 years to solve it either on a coordination basis um, by getting people to not build AGI or like on, on a technical basis, like actually formulating an operationalizing problem and like developing a nice proof, right? Um, I, I do think, you know, eventually we will have to do something like agent foundations to really understand like what are these things like optimization and agency, like, what are values, right? How do we actually load them into into agents? What, you, what are we doing? Right now, it seems we're sort of poking around in the dark, like deep learning and RLHF. And it's like, okay, you know, on these data sets, it seems to work out fine. We're not really sure if it's going to work on, like, other data sets. We're not really sure how to define, like, agency in terms of our deep learning systems, right? Um, so it's it's kind of like, I, I definitely think we, sh- we sh- still should be doing um, alignment of deep learning. Um, but like, it's a bet, um, and it might not work out.
1: Do you think. So if, if, if we need something like agent foundation, it seems that we would need like some kind of restructuring of the research, or we would need like much more people pouring into these directions. Um, and in general. I'm not sure if the eval work, let's say convincing, like DeepMind, Tropic or something, or which is like, I think the framing you've given, um, is going to help with that, maybe.
2: Claire. Yeah. So, I, I don't think it's going to help get people into Asian foundations. I think it's more about, okay, let's um, get people to care about AI safety in general. That's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I I mean I, I think like there is um like the Agent Foundation people I think, uh, or maybe the community in general could definitely do much better job of like saying why agent foundations is important, saying why, you know, this alignment stuff is actually really, really hard. Um it's just right now just a bunch of like less wrong and alignment forum posts. Um, or you talk to people in the community, right? But you know, the community from the outside might seem a little like off-putting to approach so maybe we don't want to do that so you're sounding
1: uh you've mentioned a few times this conversation and uh, this whole uh, 10 years has been thrown out alignment is hard has been thrown out i guess i might as well ask the uh the famed question or well, the faint pair of questions what uh, what is the uh, timelines and
2: P doom. so yeah i think um Did this calculation yesterday or a few days ago with a bunch of friends. Something like 46%. It's quite high, I think. But uh, could be higher. (laughs) Timelines, yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of my timeline stuff is like... Part of it is anchoring off of uh, things like the bio-anchors report. Another part of it is just like vibes. 2012 ImageNet... I was like pretty cool, but it wasn't like that great. But now it's like, GB- I mean, GPT was like a couple of years ago, right? Like GPT four, like maybe next week, right? It's like, yeah. Act, After- we-, we went from like like okay, image classification to a system that's like actually able to like do tasks in the world. Um, I mean, you look at BBT, right? Like, OpenAI certainly wasn't throwing all of its resources into
1: T. Do you want to know what APT is?
2: Yeah, the video Pre-Trained Transformer. So there's, there's this recent paper from OpenAI where they um, pre-trained Transformer on a bunch of Minecraft YouTube videos, did some RLHF, and see how it did in Minecraft. So of course, it's like not a human level, right? Um, I think it was like a 1 billion parameter model or something, something less like that. Um, so certainly, like, they could have thrown a lot more resources at this. Uh, but still, it seemed to do sort of reasonable. It even was able to construct a diamond pickaxe, which is like very, very hard to do um, in Minecraft. Um, you also have things like Gato, which like a transformer pre-trained like a bunch of RL things, uh, RL environments, uh, and it seems to be able to like do a bunch of tasks. Um, you know, so we have like really really good capability um, in like certain domains. We have like you know increasing generality, right? I think you just need to put these two together, scale things up a little bit more, uh, maybe add some more hacks and tricks, and it seems like we're sort of there to something that is like an AGI-like system, uh, or at the very least could cause a lot of damage in the world.
1: How do you see, how do you see the rest of the world looking? then? like, if you have like, you think we're quite close, like upon deployment of the system, do you see like, yeah, I think, I think it's like an issue of sometimes how the question of what's your timelines, because I'm not like, I think it very much posits some idea that like, you know, your timelines are 10 years, it means, you know, 10 years and one day from now, you might as well just retire. So oh, that shit's like gone, right? um but in my head like you know the game still keeps going right um so yeah so like let, let's say you get one of these you know video pre-trained on youtube behavior clone which is software pre-trained rlh deft, action transformed systems in like let's say 10 years and it's deployed um How do you see the world looking? What do you actually, what is actually the worry here? Like, what's like, do you think we're still in the game? Like when you say time and 10 years, you like, we've got 10 years and that's it. Like, yeah, what was the vibes?
2: Maybe two things to distinguish are like, what is the point at which we get an AGI or an APS AI, like advanced planning, strategically aware, like with key capabilities, like hacking or manipulation AI. Um, so yeah, I I think, um, my 10 years would be like for that. Um, then the separate question is, okay, we have such an AI, would it actually do something bad? I think this is the, this, the open question. Um, I, I really don't know. This depends on, okay, like, well, with the pre data, um, what do we know about generalization at deep learning at this point? Um, like how much do you actually have to prompt a model to do bad things for it to actually do bad things? Um, like how bad of a problem really is, um, you know, instrumental goals, um, with like these sorts of simulators that, um. It's unclear um i think we might still be in the game for a while um but you know it's this sort of um notion of precarity i think like even if a model doesn't do something bad it still might right so i think in this time we really have to like rush um after we deploy this first model to, to like either solve alignment through something like agent foundations or produce convincing enough evidence to the world that we actually cannot solve we need to coordinate not to build certain types of systems I mean yeah I guess I'm pretty I mean Lyman is like a a public yeah benefits everybody but like you know on the margin a company like DeepMind has incentive to just like move forward
1: yeah I definitely think uh... I mean, I guess I might just be pessimistic Coordination, making like some abstract general sense. Um, I feel people have tried to do this for a long time. It seems to just be like a thing that. I think there's be like, in, in my head, a lot of people have wanted to make the world more coordinated for a long time. And it just hasn't really happened. Yeah, for sure. But I could definitely, I think I'm, I'm definitely more. Coordination between the kind of, like, benevolent, like, you know, like, deep mind. I, I think, I think. The thing that really allows me like in the safety community is this kind of uh, like villainization like places like DeepMind or OpenAI like explicit like, like you're talking about like, let's say Sam Altman or something. Like these people are like caring, nice, genuine, intelligent you know, future caring people. Demis as well, right? Um, I do have some like pretty good some pretty, like, good hope that coordination there is very much possible. Um,
2: yeah, I, yeah, I think um, maybe this is kind of naive, but, you know, we're all in this together. I think these are just people at the end of the day. Maybe we can't get them, but we got to try until the last moment, right? Uh, like, this problem is so important. Uh, it'd be a shame if it just so happened we were in a world in which coordination would have actually worked, but we just didn't try. How embarrassing would it be? The dignity. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, so I, I think it totally makes sense to be pessimistic about, like, solving all of this, about coordination, about alignment, yeah. um, about, like, any other any other stuff that could, like, you know, go wrong, like S-risk. Um, like, I, I think it totally makes sense. And, like, I definitely don't want to, like, judge anybody that has just, like, you know, decided not to work on any of this because it's too depressing. Like, that's totally fair. This is, like, super, super hard. Um, but I think I guess personally, uh, my perspective is like, okay, you know, I maybe this just comes from me having a lot of uncertainty about a lot of things in my life. Um, so, you know, on the off chance that like we could actually make a difference, it seems worth it to try, um, even if sort of maybe the objective belief is that okay, like maybe it's not worth trying if we actually did the EVs.
1: I mean, I think this is a, a um, the, the the extreme thing. I guess Yud, particular, makes this point where he says, like, both in expectation, or he makes the point that in expectation, the, the focus should be something like this. Do you like, you know, do the thing that seems like the most dignified doesn't something like this. Yeah. What does it? What does that mean? I guess, he, I guess he's just saying, he's trying to make the point that, like, because in his worldview, he's like, you know, a several nines dead probably like not that far away and he makes the point that like yeah like when you're when you're acting in the face of like trying to increase such small probabilities or acting in the face of causing a problem that seems so hard you shouldn't follow the heuristic of like what should I do to solve it and because everything seems doomed to you you should be like what's the most dignified way it'd be more dignified if like open AI and deep mind at least did some coordination before like some other company went and built AGI it'd be more dignified if like we really tried to scale mechanistic interpretability or had like at least had evals, had some warning before, yeah. and he claims that it's like a more robust year signal and also more motivating for oneself
2: oh, so his argument is like dignity isn't the thing we inherently care about, it's like this heuristic that actually gets us to like reduce risk, yeah, he's like
1: particularly for him the is like, oh, like, um. The Framing shouldn't be is this going to solve alignment because nothing is. The framing is like is this a more dignified world? Interesting, and that's kind of like he approaches the problem. Um, you said it you know, like a lot more, uh, you didn't phrase it as nicely as that, but uh, um, you know, I think this is his general point, which I think if you're you'd make sense. Also, I think I have some term like value on. Humanity, like, I'd rather like tried like, and at least have tried.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Even when you know it's hopeless, we just keep on trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we do. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I'm not that much. Quite not much to me. This is interesting. Imagine if we did solve right. that. That'd
1: be absolutely sick. <laughs> oh, here, here's a question now, Lush. So, you're talking about. Uh, you care about the kind of, you know, fairness stuff, justice stuff. I think, obviously, to ter- the people, right now, the harms that are being done. I want them just to slow down. We all seem to make some implication, though. even as a cold-hearted, long-term future carrying utilitarian, you should care about this because these things might be locked in, like the society in the future might be locked in. Um... I think I have some intuition, I'm not sure, but at least I think a fair um, kind of pushback against this is the idea that like, there's just not that much time where society looks like it does now. Like what you get is a kind of AGI thing and you get like self-improvement for a bit. And at some point you just have like a super intelligent God and like whatever that thing is doing or whatever that thing wants to do is what decides what the society looks like. Not necessarily like the current dynamics or like those dynamics like pushed into the future. Um, How do you feel about that as a state?
2: Uh, I think this is a possibility, but again, I have a lot of uncertainty about whether this will actually happen. Like I think, yeah, so, so maybe the thing that you're saying is, okay, we have this like super intelligent AGI, it's like... Time I'll figure it out. Like, what are the true human values that like everybody cares and like, and make sure make sure everything is okay, or at least like gives us time to figure out all these human values, right? Yeah, like I think that'd be great. I'm not sure this is actually going to happen. Right? Like, one is like, is CEV even possible? Number two, okay, like suppose OpenAI has built the AGI. Like, what do they do with it? I think like a the temptation to do something to instantiate you know your own values is just way way too strong if you actually have a god at your hands um number two i mean even if they like try not to do anything with it like i think for sure other parties are going to want that kind of power too the u.s government china maybe even other companies right what happens when there's conflict what does opening AI do do they just obliterate other entities that, that that's like wild, right? If they did, I think for sure like general populace would be like, what fuck is going on with open AI like maybe we should go to war with this, right um, This doesn't seem like a good future either. So, so I, I think there're just a lot of factors that like maybe we actually do need to figure out right now like what is the game plan when we have AGI um, to ensure that like we get that kind of future where we have the time to think about okay like what are the things we actually want? And we have the, like, the luxury, you know, to work on, okay, like, let's eliminate resource scarcity, right? Um, let's try to eliminate discrimination somehow. Like, maybe not with the AGI, but, like, because we don't have other problems, we can more focus our, like, time and energy on, like, these these social problems.
1: Yeah, so as you say in there, like, something
0: like,
2: you still
1: see societal dynamics affecting the long-term future, even in the face of, like, incredibly advanced, powerful systems. You think there's still interactions that? Everything sort of changes based on what wider site looks like as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So this all depends on the kind of AGI we have. So I think on the one hand, like, suppose that um, this AGI is in some sense um, value-free or value-neutral. Um, okay, then, like, it's going to be aligned. Okay, suppose we solve alignment, right? Then it's going to be aligned with, like, whoever's controlling it. Um, like, okay, if it's, like, open AI, then you run into the problems that, like, I talked about, Right. Um, like, conflict or just, like, you know, some sort of dictatorship or something. Uh, okay, suppose that, actually, um, in the meantime, like, we sort of solve parts of, like, moral philosophy. So now, like, this AGI actually has, like, reasonable values um, that, you know, like, the vast majority of humanity would agree with, right? And even if, you know, its overseers think it should do something, it actually doesn't because it, it knows better in some sense. Um, okay, like, I think this seems, like, sort of reasonable right but the difficulty is getting i don't think anybody's really working on this in the ai safety community of figuring out like you know what do we do like about different moral systems for instance like um like what is the answer to moral uncertainty is it like moral parliaments is it like something else um yeah so like it seems that the first yeah on the first path um I don't know. Conflict seems like pretty bad on the second path. Well, we haven't really done much work towards this, um, so I'm not very like. I, I think I'm not very like optimistic about um, you know the world like going well, even if we solve alignment yet. Somebody should work on this though.
1: <laughs> What's your biggest frustrations with the uh, AI safety?
2: Biggest frustrations, damn, might get canceled for safety. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> can channel the her. Yeah. yeah, frustrations.
1: is definitely going to tweet this. Sorry, let me ask the question again. Sorry. What are your biggest frustrations with the AI safety community?
2: Frustrations. AI Safety Community Frustration. what is AI Safety? Okay. Okay.
1: Alan, in your opinion... Max. (laughs) uh,
2: Right, let's go again.
1: (laughs) Alan, in your opinion, what is AI Safety?
2: I think there's a broad version of this term, maybe several broad versions of this term, and several narrower. So I think the narrow version, of course, is like, of course, meaning (laughs) between us, Um, AI existential safety. So how do you prevent AI from being an existential risk, whether it's through empowerment or human extinction or something else? There's like broader versions of AI safety too that include more than existential risk. Um, So you might include S risks, which care a lot about um, like suffering caused by artificial intelligence, um, either through conflict or like something else. Um, and I think there's an even broader notion of AI safety, which like, in my mind, this is the ideal definition of AI safety. And it encompasses like literally everything, right? Like we care about like all the negative consequences from AI, and we try to draw the threads, uh, like between all of these phenomena we're observing and like core technical and social problems. Um, so this includes things like uh, the things that people study in fairness, right? Like AIs that like, are really able to like learn what our fairest, uh like what our judgments are, AI that like just exacerbate uh, discrimination that is already present in society and that is present in uh, in data sets that we use to train these AIs. Um, so so I think that's like that broad definition to me is the ideal definition, the one we can all get behind, you know, so that we can do things that we practically agree on, like more regulation, um, slowing down AI development, more like verification of AI systems before we deploy them. Given that definition,
1: um, and maybe focusing on the narrow AI safety x risk definition, um, what's your biggest frustration with the community or the set of people currently works on, insofar that they are able to be homogenized? Maybe you should like go into more specific subsets of this community. But yeah, the people that worry about the extra safety.
2: So I haven't actually been doing this for that long. I think um, I've been doing, like, I guess I've been considering myself a part of this community for, like, maybe a year and a half, two years, if. So, like, basically just for my PhD. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, in this short amount of time, I think it's been, like, pretty great so far just finding people who care about the same things that I do and are motivated to work similarly. I think this is definitely, like, a big, like, Anti-frustration, I guess it's like I think it's very frustrating working on something like by yourself um, and like thinking you're the only person around who cares about the problem, and everybody else thinks you're thinks you're on the crazy train or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe one frustration though is I I think um, it'd be like a lot better if more people in the AI X safety community were like more explicitly wanting to build bridges to other communities that also care about safety in, like, the broad, broad sense, so in particular in, like, to the, like, fairness um, and, like, ethics, um, just because I think coordination is a super important thing for us to be doing. It might even be a low-hanging fruit um, to, like, slow down AI development and make sure we don't, um, like, face negative consequences. Um, yeah, I guess that'd be the um, the main thing for me.
1: you see this community changing a lot, like, let's say by this community, let's say the set of people that if you ask them what do you do, they would say something along the lines of I work to ensure that um extras from a i you see like that set of people changing a lot in
2: the next few years? I think more people are uh, gonna get on the train the same trains we are on right now, <laughs> yeah, um. You know, AI is being deployed much more, um, these like ridiculous generative models, right? It's like wild when you're put out of a job by an AI in like 2025, but <laughs> then maybe we predicted 2060, right? <laughs> um, so, so, so this is a good thing. Um, I, I guess um, I hope that like, you know, in getting more people on this train, we also make sure that we repair the bridges that don't exist or have been burned between the different safety communities. Um Not sure how this is gonna happen, but um, I think a good first step is just talking to people, um, going to the places that they frequent, like, you know, I think definitely some AI safety people, like AI X safety people should just go to like FACT, uh, like the biggest conference in Ferris that's held yearly and just like talk to people about concerns. We should like submit papers there. We should like actually try to understand like FACT people are saying, Um, you know, like do some social theory, like study some psychology. like really think about like how AIs are going to interact with society. Like maybe as well, we should try to develop like some sort of um I guess uh, point of view that is not just techno optimist. like you know even if we solve alignment, what are the problems that are that are left.
1: How similar do you think the technical problems are between Vanesky and and?
2: somewhat similar. So, I think one particular technical problem in fairness is what, so in a particular context, let's say um, I don't know, like hiring in this particular country with this particular historical context, um, what do we do? Like, what are the conceptions of fairness that are at play? Can we, like, learn these things and formalize them in a certain way so that we can actually try to understand what's, what's going on and come to consensus about what we're doing. Um, I mean, I think the techniques that we're coming up with in AI safety are like super, super relevant for this, right? Like if we do RLHS to actually learn people's preferences, then we like study the reward function. Right? I think that might give us valuable insight actually about what people actually think about in fairness. Um, I think general stuff too, like, you know, um, anytime we think about uh, generalization problems, and AI safety. I mean, these are also relevant in fairness, because, like, fairness problems aren't just, like, one shot oh, like, the train test distribution are, like, going to be the same, right? Things are changing in the real world as well. Um, so totally, I think um, that thing is also relevant. Uh, another thing is just, like, um, all the stuff about, like, instrumental goals and, like, reinforcement learning systems and agents, right? Like, if we're going to be deploying um, like, algorithms in society that make consequential decisions about people's welfare, well, These are going to be decisions that are going to be made over time. Um, And in making decisions over time, like we don't want like the AI systems we're deploying to like do really weird things, um, have really weird instrumental goals. Um, So I I think the connection to me seems like pretty clear, but it hasn't been communicated well, which is pretty unfortunate.
1: You have a uh, center of long-term risk. But, yeah. I do, I do. The size too small, I think. I think so. I think so as well. <laughs> well played, well played. Um,
2: what's this whole the so S risk? S risks, okay. Well, to learn. Sure. What's this
1: whole uh, X risk, S risk, C risk? You know.
2: So I'm not sure what C risk is, but uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's catastrophic. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> those those things. Yeah. So X risk is existential risk. Um, I think of this as problems that would um, either result in human extinction or in like the lost capacity of um, humans to like do things in the future. And maybe like when yeah, when I say things, I mean great things. Maybe when I think about great things, is like somewhat valuable. I mean i think it'd be pretty you know we like, travel the star like you know we see another species who try to help um i don't know uh there just seems to be a lot of things like we could do in the universe like improve our understanding like really just go through and review our history and try to become like better agents right all of this becomes impossible if like we're extinct or if like we are trapped on like a planet that has had all the resources um depleted Um, So that, to me, is is an accidental risk. Um, An S risk is um, a suffering risk. So these are things that could cause, like, you know, like, really, really, like, lots of suffering in the world. Um, So what are some examples of things that cause a lot of suffering today? Factory farming, arguably. Um, It's, like, absolutely terrible how we treat our animals today. Um, uh, What are the things that could cause a lot of um, suffering? uh dictatorships dictatorships yeah malevolence is a lot yeah so um yes yeah, so, so i guess like there's some more mundane things than there are things that um are a bit more like hypothetical but seem like they could happen given the technologies that we're developing right now yes yeah, so the mundane things you know there's um there's factory farming i think there's also just like wars you know um like whenever so not just like the death tolls and wars themselves but like what war brings with it right so like just disease, like malnutrition, like general instability, right? Um, that co- that seems to have caused like a huge amount of suffering in history. Um, so so that's sort of like the more mundane things. And um, I, I mean mundane. I mean it's like they're still pretty bad. <laughs> the things that we we already know. Um, there are things that like maybe we don't have yet. But like we could have. Um, so hypothetically, you know, if we like manage to become a galaxy-faring civilization and we spread factory farming to the stars. Trillions and trillions of animals are suffering in backward progress. It just like seems horrific, right? Um, another thing is, okay, like suppose that we have really, really good AI systems that like control large portions of like the Earth's resources, like the solar system's resources, the galaxy's resources. Well, if they engage in conflict, like wars, that also seems really, really bad. Like our wars multiplied by like a million or something, right? So I'm um, working as um, just to like really map out what are the causes of suffering. And what are the ways we can, uh, like, how can we act to reduce? Um, So I think, like, one difference between X-risk and S-risk is, like, sort of where you start from um, in in terms of, like, what you care about in your moral theories. Like, people in S-risk really, really care about suffering. And I would say they prioritize this to, like, differing extents over, over pleasure. So, like, you know, between, like, if you have equivalent amounts of suffering and, like, pleasure, you would definitely, like, prefer reducing the suffering more about, like, one unit than, like, increasing somebody's pleasure. Or like you know, happiness by by another unit. And
1: insofar you can speak for the center for long. I cannot. I cannot. cannot, speak. (laughs) speak. Cannot speak. Too many of us.
2: I mean, I I was just I was just an intern. I don't work there as a full time employee. Where do you think your
1: views differ the most? From the mainstream
2: ai safety research i think suffering is important i think cooperation is pretty important work um yeah so i mean i think this has been a common answer i have a lot of uncertainty about this um i think i'm still in the process of figuring this out because like s risks is still are still like kind of new to me yeah i guess what i differ the most is i care about cooperation i think it's important to get this work done like what do you mean by cooperation? yeah so cooperation meaning um suppose you have um two agents like they're in some sort of game how do you make sure that the outcome is actually a Pareto optimal outcome um so for example if you're both playing a game of chicken right how do you make sure you don't like crash into each other and like cause a, like astronomical loss um you know, because, like, maybe, like, your one nation, like, maybe one agent is, like, you know, this this nation that has a nuclear stockpile, and, like, this other agent is, like, another nation that has a nuclear stockpile. And, like, these two nations together are, like, the entire Earth. They have huge empires. Um, a game of chicken is, like, okay, like, you both launch nukes at each other uh, because you've gone to the brink. We definitely don't want that kind of thing happen.
1: So, uh, I don't know, I think a lot of us we like we brought you here to find out about about your origin stories, you know, origin I, stories. Yeah, how did how did Mister Alan Chan come to wear the the hoodie that sent a long term risk? Come to call himself an AI safety research.
2: Well, I just like took this hoodie <laughs> from mm. this yellow office. Okay, okay, but the other bit, the other bit. Okay, yeah. Where should I begin? How um, far back? I'm actually. I think you know what I want to hear from like. Kay. from uh, September first. 1996. Yeah, um, probably at, probably at night, probably 12 a.m. or something. Okay, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, to two parents, immigrants Vietnam. So, I uh, yeah, how much detail? Just you know whatever is necessary to understand to live to live
1: it as if we are in your shoes.
2: Yeah, so I don't know why do I work on AI safety. So I think part of it is. Why do I work on things that could go wrong, I guess I don't know?: No, no,
1: no I'm, wanting, I'm wanting the story. It's play by play. what made from from,
2: you know, let's say starting underground.: Yeah,
1: to sitting down here. What happened?
2: Okay, so I think there's like a little bit more to this though, than the undergrad. Uh, okay. I, I think this also depends on how I ended up developing my moral motivations. Like, okay. why didn't I just like go and be like an investment banker, right? And like literally just like a regular investment banker. Like, none of that earned earned against stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think like part of it is is my upbringing. Like, I, I think um, like my family is like pretty Buddhist. Um, they care, and in Buddhism, you care a lot about reducing the suffering in the particularly my mother cares a lot about uh you know buddhism and reducing suffering um so i think just growing up in the environment like made me care about these things as well and to the extent that i saw like suffering in the world whether it was um like on the news or like interpersonally um you know that that seemed like a really bad thing um so i think that's like one part of it another part is just like being exposed to like the things that i think make life really worth living like just like hanging out with your friends like doing fun things um trying new foods traveling um so i think like both the upside and the downside um that like i was able to experience in my life like i think made me believe that okay you know um it seems like really important to make sure that there are to like remove the downsides for as many people as we can and to make sure that like People can actually, you know, experience um, the the upside in life. So, so I, I think that's, like, general motivation, I guess, for, like, working on social e-causes or causes to, like, reduce um, risk in, like, some very, very general sense, right? Um, so I, I think I spent a lot of time um, doing a lot of searching and thinking for, like, what sorts of things I could work on. Um, I, like, tried out a bunch of volunteering for various causes in, like, high school and university just to see, like, what things might be interesting for me. Um, I think this was good to the extent that, like, you know, I learned a lot more about, um, like, things that are wrong in the world. Um, I got really into social justice. Um, and, like, um, I think, like, how did I get into AI safety? Um, it was kind of in my like, latter part of my undergraduate, like, going to my master's. Um, So I did a math degree during my undergraduate. Um, I did a math degree mostly because I didn't really know what exactly I wanted to do. Math just seemed, like, a robustly good thing. Um, And gave me the flexibility to take a lot of other things um, that I was was also really interested in, like linguistics and, like, political science. And they also do a lot of debate um, where I talked about, like, a bunch of this stuff, too. Um, So, yeah, I guess, like having a diverse range of interests made it really hard to focus in on a particular thing like I just want I mean I, I think I still want, want, want to during my future just like try a bunch of different things and like maybe this is a difficulty in like getting concrete projects out um so yeah at the end of my um bachelor's degree I was like well what do I do now with a math degree like nothing I've tried has been super super convincing to me um I don't really want to be a mathematician like it was like nice but seems like being a pure mathematician doesn't really have like a lot of impact um in like the near or like medium term future and it seems like there are more important problems than like being a pure mathematician um to t- t- and more problems to work on like you know climate change right or like global health um so then i started thinking okay so what are the things that could like really really make the world turn out bad or like have like a really big impact on the world in like my lifetime say right so you know um, AI I think um, happened to be one of those things that I was thinking about so I thought okay like maybe I should go into AI so I spent like about a year just like reading a lot about this and thinking thinking okay you know um, like where is AI going like why why do I think that it's like could actually be like a really big thing right so I think solidifying those intuitions um, took like a, uh, and at this point I was like doing a master's um, that, you know, um, it wasn't, like, the ideal master's, but I later, like, switched um, advisors, and, like, it was a lot better for me. Um, so, yeah, I, like, in, in the middle of my master's, I, like, switched to doing, like, AI. Um, like, start started off with reinforcement learning, um, and it was, like, really fun, and I really enjoyed the environment that I was put in, just, like, having people who, like, cared also about AI and also who also thought that could be a really big thing. But in the course of my master's, uh, I guess um, I thought, okay, you know, um, This is like a reinforcement learning lab. So I was at the University of Alberta. Um, This is a reinforcement learning lab. Um, These people like actually want to build a GR. I don't know. Like this seems kind of, this seems kind of concerning to me. (laughs) I had this intuition like, like, okay, like, oh, what the fuck though? (laughs) Like an artificial general intelligence, like you could go to do some bad things maybe? Yeah. So um, this, it, this was like, I think, um, yeah, I finished my master's in 2020, so I guess in the middle of COVID, I was sort of thinking, like, trying to grapple with these questions. Also, like, just, like, noticing, uh, or, or just, like, living through, um, like, uh, like COVID and also, like, the George Floyd protests, right? I was like, okay, like, you know, real shit, like, actually happened in the world. I'm, like, living through history, right? So, like, maybe something wild could, like, actually happen, like, you know, and something I'm, like, personally involved in, um, like, every day, like, in like, AI, right? So I started to read a lot more about AI safety, so like, you know, super intelligence and stuff, uh, and like a little bit of alignment form and less wrong. And, you know, I, I remember I was like reading super intelligence and I was like, damn, like, this is true, <laughs> like, shit, is <laughs> somebody working on this? Uh, then I thought, well, you know, like, like maybe I should work on this start right? Um, and, and I, I think like having that feeling that like, wow, like this is a thing I should work on was, was a pretty like life-changing moment, um, because I think, like, before, um, I guess, like, 2019-ish, um, you know, when you, like, learn about history in, in school, it's sort of like, okay, like, these things happened to these people, right? And, like, damn, like, we have the world we have today. But to some extent, you feel sort of distance from from what happened. Like, these people are so far removed. How can you ever relate to them, right? But, like, you know, we're living through history right now. Um, we live through a pandemic. We're living through, like, an increase in geopolitical tensions, right? Um, we're living through, like, like a lot of really concerning developments artificial intelligence um well like we're living through history that means we can affect it right so i i think like that moment um maybe it was more like a gradual development um made me think that i could actually do something um about this problem um so you know i applied for phd programs um i didn't apply for ai safety though i was still sort of unsure whether I wanted to, like, fully devote all my time to this, but, um, you know, I got into a PhD program at Mila. Um, I started, like, doing research, but, like, basically immediately I, like, really tried hard to, like, shift my research from um, reinforcement learning to doing ASAP. Um, it took a while, and I think, like, you know, I'm still sort of learning how to, like, do safety research well and figuring out what the most valuable thing to do is, um, but I think, like, yeah, it's it's been going um, pretty well, and I'm really glad I make that decision to um, to switch. Nice. And uh,
1: write a second what you're working
2: on. What i working on, so I'm trying to find, finish up a paper with CLR. We are trying to evaluate the cooperativity of language models. Um, so the really interesting thing, I think, is that, uh, okay, you know, you can, you know, construct a data set, get people to write scenarios for you if you want, but uh, we actually want our ability to generate evaluations to scale with the capabilities of our models. So we're getting um, language models to generate scenarios for us that, like, basically cooperate scenarios that involve some cooperation Um, and seeing what language models do in these kinds of scenarios. That's the first thing I'm working on. Um, I also have just a bunch of other projects right now that are in varying stages of completion or feasibility. Uh, One thing I'm really interested in is, like, you know, how do we actually, how are we actually able to, like, show people that models are actually doing, actually much more capable than might be claimed? Um, by by some people. Um, yeah, so another thing I'm working on is um, this sort of like general, almost like position paper slash survey paper on like speculative concerns in AI safety. Um, it's essentially going to be an argument that it's important to speculate for for cause areas uh, and like review sort of, okay, what are the methodologies and the ways in which people have speculated in AI safety? What has worked out? What hasn't? Uh, and Why do we still need to continue on coming up with um, with things that might appear more speculative to like modern machine learning communities, but like are actually important, I think, in pointing out possible problems we 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 might face.
1: Is this aimed at machine learning? Just this disposition paper?
2: Yeah. So it's aimed at uh, the academic machine learning. I mean, um, I think a lot of what I yeah parts of what I want to do are sort of more aimed at okay, like how can we field build or build bridges effectively by either like connecting our concerns to concerns that other people have, or by just saying things in, like, you know, language that other people uh, can more understand.
1: Nice. I don't
2: know. Show
1: up. I don't Show up. Show what else I got. For Mr. Allen. This is quite... What? Yeah. what you Tell me about that. Tell me about I'm fine. I I feel like I might have to... Uh... Maybe at least see some competition in this. Participants. Turn down the monopoly. Compete, good fight, good fight. Good fight. Put my compete. The fight, the fight, the fight. Put my money where my mouth is. Yes, good vibes.